Well, hello, church, once again. It is so good to see you today. Uh, we are glad that you are with us. If you're not aware, we are on a walk through the Bible that we just got started a couple of weeks ago. We're in the book of Exodus today. But before we get started, just thank you for all of your prayers. We did have a, a good trip, a very busy trip. As many of you know, I left last Sunday right after uh, teaching class Drove to Columbus, Ohio, taught all day at Ohio State at the medical school, and then drove that night into um, a 200-year rain and flood in Detroit. Um, yes, yes, a, a simple, a simple four-and-a-half-hour drive took, ended up taking uh, nine-something, because it took three-and-a-half hours to get through Detroit. But being a Church of Christ person, I'm no afraid of water, so I just... <laughs> I just kept standing on the roof of my truck saying, you might want to repeat after me before you're swept away. <laughs> no, I didn't do that after they told me not to. The, um, <laughs> but in a more serious note, we're about to have a prayer, and we want to pray for the, the man that was killed on uh, Interstate 65. Now, I know that that's going to cause all kinds of trouble for us in our driving for the next couple of years. It is but it's going to leave a hole in his family's life for a very long time, and we want to pray for him. We also want to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ferguson, uh, Missouri. Uh, I was right up there a few weeks ago during a youth rally, and we, had, we filled a church building uh, for two days doing a youth rally. Uh, no, one day. It was a one-day event. Um, <clears throat> uh, it's just It's tragic. And there are a lot of good brothers and sisters that are caught right in the middle of all of this. So let's have a prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're aware that as we celebrate and we enjoy each other, and we understand there's nothing wrong with that, that there are families that are hurting or cowering under beds, afraid of bullets or afraid of riots or afraid of, or just mourning the loss of a father, a son, a friend. Help us, Father, to have your eyes and to see what you see and to care about what you care about, to rejoice, to cry, always when appropriate, to help other people see the living Christ in us. Bless our friends, Father. Bring peace to this world. Use us as instruments of peace, we pray in Jesus' name. And the whole church says, amen. God loves you just like you are. I've heard that in my life. Never heard that in the church I grew up in, mind you. Uh, the church I heard, grew up in was God's not all that keen on you. But um, later, I was told God loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And I understand that, actually. I get that. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You can't love more than that. You just can't. And yet, after that message is given, Jesus spends the rest of his ministry. Now remember, God loves you so much, he gave you his son. What does his son do? Keeps trying to change you. Move you. Get you going. Let's change what you think. Change what your priorities are. Change who you are. In other words, Jesus wants to keep you moving. He wants to keep the change moving. Think of you and your children. Uh, school started. Those of you that forgot to look at the calendar, your kids are behind now. School has started. You know what it's like. Immediately, before dawn, it starts. Like, get up, get your clothes on. No, don't wear that, wear this. But eat this, eat that, eat faster, faster eating. 
uh, we'll pray on the way to the bus. Let's go. You get them on the bus, get your homework done, get it done, 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 get the homework done. You, you got to keep them moving, don't you? Moving is so important. God knows the same thing. Look at the book of Exodus, and what you see is a God working on keeping us moving from here to heaven, from here to where we need to be. When you open up the book, where do you find the Israelites? They are slaves in Egypt, and that's a tragic thing. Slavery is always a tragic thing. But you know what's even more tragic? Is when the slaves are okay with it. And they had gotten to be okay with it. Comfortable in their slavery. When they're given opportunities to rise up or organize, they didn't. They didn't want to. They were afraid. I mean, this is really, 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 really bad. But I'm afraid of what might happen later if we leave this. It's, it's rather like the, the older ladies that Woody Allen said he overheard in a restaurant saying, the food here is terrible. And the other one said, yes, and such small portions. <laughs> we get like this. We get comfortable with our slavery. A friend of mine reached out to me a, a couple months ago asking if I could come and work with her elders for a little bit. And as it turned out, I just really couldn't work that into the schedule. But um, they... He said, we have reorganized our church three times in the last five years, and we end up with the same problem every time. I said, who's organizing it? He says, well, it's the same people. And I went, there you go. And it's not the people's fault. The people, generally speaking, the people I find in churches have the best of, um, of intentions. It's just we elevate broken people to the top and then let the broken people decide how things are done, and we're surprised things are broken. We need to find another way to do this. Moses is taken into the royal household. He's told early on who he is. Forget the movies where he finds out suddenly and goes, oh my goodness, I'm Jewish. No, he knew from a very, the Bible says he was always told this. He always knew it, but he stayed in the royal household. He didn't, he didn't show any sign of leaving till God forced him to in chapter 2, verse 15. Now he has to get on the road. Now he's not a coward. Listen very carefully. It's inertia, not cowardice, that kept him in the palace. He's not afraid of anything. You look at Moses. Moses will take on anything. But it's, you know, when he gets around to it, he'll do it. Inertia kept him right where he was. No wonder the poet said, this is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper. Because we just kind of sit it out. He takes on, however, God throws him out in the road, and he, he gets moving. He comes upon this, this, it's a great scene. I don't know why nobody ever talks about this. He comes upon this scene of these women in a well being attacked by a bunch of Arab tribesmen. Things like that obviously don't happen anymore, but uh, yeah, they do, sadly. And he doesn't wait for help. He wades right in there and single-handedly drives them off and saves the women. One of the women goes home, tells daddy about it. Daddy goes, got it. Thank you. My son-in-law, I've just met my son-in-law. He says, you know, let me introduce you to. They get married. Um, it's, he's not a coward. So but what does he do? Immediately stops everything, starts tending sheep. God waits a decade another 40 years 
God's not content that Moses stay there. So God lights up a bush. That'll get your attention, especially when it doesn't stop burning. Uh, when I was a little boy, I said, no, why? The bush is on fire, but what the Bible says, Moses just turned to look at it. Why would he do that? And my teacher said, there wasn't much else happening on the mountain. And that's probably true, I, I guess. Uh, whatever it was, God moves him back to Egypt to take on Pharaoh. Wow, 80 years old, let's take on Pharaoh. He's not willing to let Moses stagnate. Now, I want you to understand something. These aren't just stories. These are our stories. God is not content with our being content. Now, I know we've been told to be content. That's a different kind of content. That's a content with him, with his provision for us, his love for us. But content with where we've made it so far, God has some ideas. He's not going to let Israel stagnate in Egypt. It's time to move. So he shoots down the false gods. Great scenes, again, never makes the movies. Uh, well, the, the plagues make the movies, but the, why they're there doesn't. The Egyptians worshipped a series of gods. They worshipped the Nile, God turns it into blood. They worshipped cattle, silly, but they did. God put sores all over them. They worshipped frogs, so God gave them so many frogs they couldn't move. They worshipped the sun, he blots it out. You get the point? He shot, this is, this is high noon. God shot down all of their gods to show them you don't have anything. They worship the Pharaoh, so the firstborn goes. He tears apart the social system of Egypt and of the Israelites and gets them on the road. They were comfortable being uncomfortable slaves. It's the slavery they knew. They, were, they feared leaving. There are obvious parallels today. Every time any crisis happens, what do we want to do? Make more laws. Why? We feel like more laws and more control over people like us. That'll fix it. We're afraid of freedom. We're afraid to move. We're afraid of, of, of going out on our own. This, um, God says, no, no. Don't embrace your slavery. You need to move on. Have you, if you don't understand slavery, look at it this way. Have you been recently where you couldn't get a cell signal and checking your phone was useless? Did you go to another place? <laughs> you weren't very content where you were for a while there, right? Because we've gotten to where we have to check. We have to look. We have to see. We have to be connected. God says, let's not be comfortable with our slavery. God says, hit the road. And he's not done shaking them up. Wait till, he, wait till they see what he's got planned for them in Sinai. He's shaking a mountain. He's got lightning. He's got thunder. He's got the whole place going crazy. And then he stops. He says, Moses, come up here. I'm going to talk to you. They get up there, gives him the law. What happens down on the, below is that the people already, attention deficit disorder tribe, has already forgotten what's going on, and they start worshiping a cow. Again, sounds strange to us, made perfect sense to them. Moses comes down the mountain, becomes the most wicked man in the history of, of the world because he breaks all Ten Commandments at the same time. Read it, it's in the Bible. Then God punishes him, sends him back up the mountain, and they write a bunch more stuff. You know, it's kind of like God saying, well, I've got you up here. I've, a few more things have come to mind. So it's not just Ten Commandments. It's over 600 laws by the time this thing's done. Come down the mountain. God's basically saying, no more doing things your own way. Yes, God is saying to the children of Israel, as long as you're in my house, 
you're going to follow my rules. They're given the rules of the road. If they want to get from where they are to the promised land, they're going to have to reorder their lives. They're going to have to reorder society. Listen carefully. If we want to get to the promised land, we've got to reorder our lives and we have to reorder society. God is not content with the way things are. We might be, but he is not. We can separate ourselves. We can wall ourselves off. We can say, some of you this morning most, most likely said, what's going on in Ferguson? You've walled yourself off from the news. It just makes you feel uncomfortable. You don't feel like you need to know that sort of thing. You know something? You really do need to know that sort of thing. Because we need to be involved in reordering society to where we don't have these anymore. Now, you and I will come up with different solutions. I'm aware of that. But we've got to find a way to say, God's not content with us just saying, ah, that's happening over there. I'll just be over here. As somebody said years ago, America didn't go to war. The military went to war. America went to the mall. They weren't involved. Do you remember, some of you remember World War II? You were involved, weren't you? Victory gardens. You couldn't buy stuff unless you had coupons and stamps for it. Everything was for the boys. Is this trip really necessary? Save the tie. All of this stuff. You were wrapped around this. But we've learned how to separate ourselves. And God goes, no, 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 no. If you want to follow me, you've got to reorder your life. And you've got to reorder what you find along the road. God has strict rules about how to behave on the road. And one of those rules is to keep moving. And this is amazing to me. Churches believe that God wants them to take territory and hold it. God has always said, move. Exodus 33, 1. If you want to follow me, you've got to move. Doesn't that make sense? If you want to follow God, you've got to move because God is moving. They didn't. They said, we like it right here. And so God said, okay then, all of you are going to die right there. I'll take your kids over. It's a hard book to read sometimes, isn't it? Because that whole generation has to die. I want to ask you a question. How much longer do we need to wait for all the doubters to die so we can do something? Is that a hard question? It's not nearly as hard as the book of Exodus. Every time anybody wants to do anything in a church, you're going to find somebody going, well, I don't know. My third uncle's cousin once met a fellow that shook hands with a guy that said he heard a church tried that. And it didn't, look too, it didn't work too well. And when it did work, it was the Baptist, and we don't want to look like the Baptist. If you're a Baptist here, you're welcome. I'm making fun of us, not you. What do we do here, friends? Do we wait for the doubters to die before we reorder and follow God? Or do we follow God? Hard questions. But if you don't want hard questions, don't read the Bible. Read something fluffy. My Little Pony's got a new book out, I've been told. <laughs> and even there, My Little Pony has some decisions to make. But um, when they balked, God locked them down and shut them down. Don't let him do it to us. Then he moved the next generation across the river. What did he do to the next generation? Move. 
Once the kids were up old enough, he said, move. Here's a river in full flood. It is terrifyingly moved so fast and breaking the banks. On the other side is an army that is waiting to kill you, but they don't think you're going to survive the trip because not only is it in flood, they believe their God lives in the water and he is the God Baal, the God of storms and the God of war, and he will destroy you before you even get across the water. And God looks at him and says, walk in. He doesn't say, let me stop the river for you, then walk in. That would have been impressive. He says, no, you walk first, then we'll talk about stopping the river. God wants you to move into terrifying places. He does. Don't we get this? My, uh, my granddaughter is beautiful, perfect in every way, but she's being raised by the wrong people. I should be doing this. I have experience. My son, my son's a noble son, a noble marine, now uh, working uh, in civilian life, great, great man, daughter-in-law, could not ask for a better daughter-in-law, have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> right? You get the point. Life is terrifying because it's designed to be. Even marriage. Two young people have, don't have a clue. Say, we're going to marry each other. Really? Seriously? Okay, because you can't stop them legally. And they get married. And we're all going, oh my goodness, let's take, you know, who's got, who's got six months? You know, let's, let's do the office pool here. How long this is going to either end in death or divorce, one of the two. Homicide, probably. <laughs> Life is terrifying. God says, do it anyway. Step out and do it anyway. Go for it. You got to jump. You got to jump. Don't be a parachute jumper that never leaves the plane. You might wonder what I'm talking about. Have you ever gone to a place, a parachute jumping school? They have schools. You might think it's not that hard. Walk out of there. Now you're out of the plane. But no, they have to teach you how to leave the plane and, and, and a, in a more, more productive way, I guess. And so people go and they get patches and they get, they get special clothes and special shoes for the impact. And a lot of them have been there for years and never jumped. And I often think that's what churches are too. We're going to do some great stuff here. But then they don't. What's gone wrong? Could it be we haven't learned the story of Exodus yet? Second book in the Bible, and we haven't had it yet, which is move. Now, I'm going to talk to you as your pastor today. And there are, going to be a, there are going to be some hard things to hear. But let's just do this, and then we'll get into the really happy stuff with rainbows and sparkles. All right? I've had two families visit here recently who loved the worship, felt welcomed, but both of them, one sitting over on this side, one sitting on this side, were, it, first of all, they were brave to come in the building it's, it's frightening to go to a new place. And as they were about to find a pew, we're told, that's where I've sat for X amount of years. When I heard it from the first family, I and the whole staff, our jaws dropped. We went, we, we can't believe anybody said that. They must have said it kidding or something. The family said, didn't look like kidding. It wasn't taken that way. Well, a couple weeks later, another one. And the person they described wasn't the same person. All right, 
Next week, I want you to look where you're sitting right now. Right? Everybody see? Next week, you're not sitting there. I believe that the families probably did hear somebody who was trying to kid or be friendly and didn't know how to pull it off. There are humor-deprived people in the world who aren't aware of it. <laughs> right? I believe this, this is a church full of love. I, I'm, 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 you know, friends, I don't tell you things just to make you feel better, so you know what I, I'm serious here. You would, you would, I don't know if you could find a church that has more love in it than this church for the stranger and the new person. But we failed twice recently. We can't do that, can we? Right. So next week, sit somewhere else. All right? Now, if you're married, sit with them. Let's <laughs> decide as a group. We need to move. Why is it that we're so afraid of moving? We're afraid of moving because we're afraid of what's going to lie ahead. We're afraid that moving's a sign of disrespect to what we've done before. I, um, I was at a church, and they, they showed me, here's a song we're going to sing right before you get up. And it was, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Now, that was a great song, but I don't want it sung before I get up. Why? Because the culture in which that song was written, people died all the time. All the time. And so you sang songs about dying all the time. Today, we're more removed from this. Fewer people die, as a rule. And so we're, we don't sing about jumping in blood baths. Let's, let's find a different song. Does that disrespect that song? No, it served its purpose but we need to move on and find something else. By the way, it's also true of me. One of these days I will have served my purpose and I need to step back and let some other people talk. And that's, that's coming quicker than I want. Preachers are like boxers. They always stay in just two or three rounds too, many, too long. But I'm already preparing for my replacements because that's, that's to honor the movement of the people. The people must be allowed to move forward. My, in fact, I often tell elderships that if you're not preparing your replacements, you need to be replaced. Because you're not building his kingdom, you're building yours. This is a movement. And sometimes we don't like to move because it's all about me, my place, my likes, my comfort, my way. The battles that we used to fight. Kids, hang on, let me tell you about a battle we fought you would have thought clapping was the same as carving 666 on your forehead. <laughs> you would have. It was, oh my goodness, there were churches that split over it. There were people forced out of churches for clapping. Seriously, clapping. I was told you couldn't do it because it's instrumental music, because drums are stretched skin, and that's what, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's what we were told. And so we, it, the big fight in the war, your parents and some of your grandparents fought hard for you to have the right to clap at a baptism and clap during a song, and we're so excited, and now you don't. <laughs> you know why? Because it doesn't mean to them what it meant to us. To us, it was a sign of freedom. It was not just praising God. Let's be honest. 
Some of it was, you know, take that, Grandma. Some of that was about freedom. <laughs> and our kids know they have the freedom, so they clap only when they feel like it. What's up with that? <laughs> Cultures change. Songs will change. The way we sing changes. This, every song we sang today, some of them you were thinking, oh, that's a new song. I got news for you. Every song we sang today was new to somebody in this room because a lot of you weren't church people six months ago, but you're coming here now. Yay! And that's new to you. And the only church songs you heard were maybe some K-Love stuff on the way in. And you heard a couple of those. But then we sang some stuff about this terrestrial ball. No clue what that meant. Every song's a new song to somebody. We're going to have to put up with it, aren't we? We're going to have to put up with changing and moving and that this won't be my father's church and it won't be my church for long. It won't be your church for long. The Bible says, consider one another. Esteem one another more highly than yourselves. And just as a final warning, the Bible says when you walk into heaven, God says that the angels will lead us in a new song. I've got some brothers and sisters that'll be going, seriously, really? <laughs> and he does it even more than once, which would indicate there are more than one new song. God wants you to move. I want to tell you something. I truly believe that whoever said those things was probably just kidding and didn't know how to do it. If they weren't, they should be ashamed of themselves, and they, now they've been called out. But there is a place here for you. I don't know who you are, but there's a place here for you. Because there's a place in God's economy for all of us. Whether you are an artist or an accountant, whether you're an engineer or choreographer, there is a place here for you. If you're a metal worker or a shepherd, there's a place here. A carpenter, there's a place here for you. But remember the lesson of Exodus. The place we worship God is a tent that moves. Everybody built it but now it moves. It moves when God moves, it moves where God moves. We often elevate what the culture elevates and we leave behind what others leave behind, but not here. I believe that in God's world, there's room for warriors and pacifists and we need to get along. I believe that there's room for male and female, for physicists and artists. I believe there's room for all of us as long as we respect each other and understand that God made others different because he didn't want to make us again. He needed someone else. Everybody here is called to be a leader. Everybody here is called to serve. Everybody here is called to be engaged. But nobody can do it on their own, and too many preachers think they can. So Jethro, the father-in-law, goes to Moses. I love that. Such a human moment. Moses. Moses is over 80 now, well over 80, right? And his father-in-law comes to him and says, um, let me tell you how to do things. I have a father-in-law who's talented, handy, and creative. It's horrible. Because <laughs> he knows how to do stuff. And I try not to do stuff when he's around because I don't know how to do stuff. I'm not being sarcastic here. I really don't. 
If my toaster breaks, I lay it on the couch and ask it how it felt about its mother. I got time, go. Um, <laughs> so his father-in-law, Jethro, comes and says, you need help. You're doing too much on your own. The body needs to work as a body. Again, big idea, God has. So in Exodus 18, verses 13 through 18, the decision is made. We need to gather together a leadership group. To remind all the people in Exodus had other responsibilities, all of them. They had jobs and families and they had to harvest and the like. They were called to move into a sacrificial lifestyle. At our church, we have done the same. And today, we'll be commissioning Sunday for these people. The group today, it'll change. Change is what we do. We are the priesthood of all believers. The shepherds are here to lead and guide us, but I want to tell you something about the shepherds. We are not slaves to every whim and decision they make, and they are not slaves to every complaint we might want to make. We are a body. We are not cattle to be driven. We are sheep. And you can't reason with sheep. You have to lead them. And so we elevate leaders, and you've got fantastic leaders here. That's why this place is a place of love. We are not ashamed to stand up and say, we'll we'll change this tomorrow, but this is what we do today because we're on the move where the Spirit of God moves. I'm going to ask as we do this, let me first of all explain. We're calling them ministry leaders. Why are we calling them ministry leaders? I have a problem with the word deacon. Uh, to be honest, the word deacon's a made-up word. It's not English. It comes from uh, us transliterating diakonos, a, a word that just meant minister or servant. It applied to men and to women. But by the time King James, a Scotsman, I'd like to apologize on behalf of my nation, but by the time he sent his men in to translate it, they came back and it had servant or minister. He sent them back in to change it to a different word, deacon because he didn't like it to be applied to men and women. And he didn't like it just being given to everybody. He wanted it to be an official thing that only the church did. No, the body of Christ raises up ministry leaders, male and female. We have done so here after months of prayer and talking. And I'm going to ask, when I refer to you, if you would just, wherever you are, no applause yet. You know, we don't need that. Just stand where you are and stay standing. And then after I've read them all, we're going to ask you to move into the aisles. You, you can come up front if you want to, but the aisles are really important. Because in a moment, we're going to give an admonition, a blessing over them. And then you're going to be putting your hands on them. And Albert Lemons, our apostle of prayer here, We'll say a a shepherd's prayer over them, and that's how we end this morning's service. With a recognition, we have new ministries, new leaders, and we bless them as a body. We're on the move. Is that all right with you, church? May as well be. (laughs) Pretty tepid response, if you ask me, but we'll get to it. Ministry leaders over the... um, 
That was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> See, God's excited. The ministry leaders nursery over, uh, through elementary are Debbie Day and Alan Gentry. Over youth are Joe Harmon, Doug Durr. That's God saying amen. That's God clapping. He claps. So I'm saying. Over benevolence, Frank Hutton, Bill Wright. Finance team. Oh, this is a great one. I'm happy to have him. Rodney Robinson, Joe Whitehouse. You should be standing, everybody. I'm calling. I'm not seeing a lot of standing. Standing is the clue here. If your name has been called, please stand. Thought I said that. Life groups, all the shepherds. So all the shepherds, please stand if you would. Uh, over IT, that'd be Jeremy Hopwood and Bill Wright. Connection groups, Mark Howard, Ron Charpentier. Young Marrieds, Fen Breland, Tony Simmons, very excited about that new group. Local Outreach, Wayne Howell and Phil Williams. Think you can handle this, Wayne? I got for it. There you <laughs> Women's Jail Ministry, Cindy Gentry and Alan Gentry. Um, only Cindy will be going into the women's, but, but the, anyway, the, um, Hard Bargain, Preston and Jody Brandemore and Ron Charpentier. Global Outreach, Mike Williams, Mark Street. Worship will be Kelsey Bells, Graham Burcham, and myself. Uh, Williams, uh, and I'm already standing. Women's Ministry, Donna Wright and Bill Wright. Notice that some of these are in here two and three and four times. Pray for them. Men's Ministry, Graham Burcham. And Graham's still looking for a helper or two, aren't you? Okay. Prayer ministry, Joshua Purcell and Mark Street. Connect for the greeters, Ken Fowler, Dave Cassily. Disaster responders, that has nothing to do with my sermons. <laughs> Disaster responders, Frank Hutton and Phil Williams. Communication, Peggy Blake, Tony Simmons. Building and grounds, Ed Kaufman, Lydia Norman, and Dave Cassily. Little School. Gary Schrader, boy, you're going to be great at that. Tony Simmons, security. Now, if you don't know about security people, we live in a different world. So security is myself and Phil Williams. We're not the security guards. Don't, don't panic. <laughs> We're just making sure security happens. And lastly, college age, David and Vicki Kessler and Ron Charpentier. Now, it would be a good time to applaud the men and women. But. These names, and uh, could you all please move into, and I said you all, not y'all. Uh, could you move into the aisles? And everybody else stand up, please. And go ahead and start moving toward them to place your hands upon them gently and in love. Don't lean upon them. The prayer could go a while. Well, my bet can go. I don't know about Albert's. If you would listen to me, I'm about to give an admonition that is paraphrased from Exodus chapter 18, verses 19 through 21 with some additions. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be the representative of the love of God in each member's life. Honor your calling to care about their disputes, worries, and fears. 
Teach them the law of God and show them the way to live. Show them how they are still loved and still a vital part of God's work on earth. You have been selected after much prayer. You are trustworthy people who are doing this great work in humility and in the spirit of servanthood. Keep those qualities as you go about your work. We promise to lift you up before the Father and ask him to give you strength and wisdom. We ask him to give you health and long lives in his service. But above all, we ask for the Lord's protection to keep you safe from every evil deed, evil thought, or evil person. May you, as assistants to the shepherds who themselves are assistants to the good shepherd, fulfill your ministry with integrity and joy. And the whole church says, Amen. Albert will lead us in prayer, and after that prayer, we will be dismissed. Holy Father, caring Savior, you have provided in ages past the most unlikely of men. They've been called to do God's will in times and places and manner unexpected. Such were Gideon, Nahum, Balaam, and others. But that's not the case this morning. That is not the case today. These servants have been in preparation for these tasks and now are given the opportunity to perform them. Father, may your blessing and your honor rain down upon them. We should be careful to keep our hearts free from any hindrance of this church's goal led by our shepherds and ministry leaders and Patrick Mead. With your spirit, we will see more clearly the relationship from the past when brothers like Brother Campbell in just a few decades, nearly 200 years ago, established this great church, and now may she go forward as you have willed through all these years. Spiritual gifts are given to the free and sovereign operation of the divine spirit, and the ones to whom they are given should be encouraged in all humility, and when observed in others, should be regarded without envy but held up with admiration and thanksgiving. So may this prayer conclude the formal part of this memorable day in the life of this church to the glory, honor, and love and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray and amen.